All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, I started this podcast just to to really promote lifelong learning. I've always been a person that uh, enjoys learning new things, and I feel like I'm constantly looking up uh, it, really just anything, any new information that I learn. I love to just kind of learn something new and then Google it and learn more about it. And I decided to make this podcast and just sort of share with you guys the things I'm learning in the world and hopefully be able to promote lifelong learning and uh, just you kind of doing your own research and looking into things that maybe interest you. So if you're new, welcome. Um, if you're back, uh, it's, it's good to see you back. Um, I am really excited uh, for this episode, and I feel like I need to get like a meme made of me saying I'm really excited for this episode because I say it like every single time. But this one, I am really excited for. So let's just go ahead and uh, dive right into it. We'll start with a quote today, and that quote is, "Power is a word, the meaning of which we do not understand." That was said by Leo Tolstoy, who uh, in War and Peace, who's a Nobel. Peace Prize winner, um, and uh, he was uh, an author, a Russian author. Um, if you are not familiar with him, you should look into him. Really, really fascinating guy, but I think that's a great quote. Uh, power is a word, the meaning of which we do not understand. It's a powerful quote, to be honest. Um, and in honor of that quote, let's use today's episode to take a look at the idea of power. And more specifically, let's look at the source of power. You see, power is typically, uh, it lies with uh, control of the same things throughout history. So wherever you see power, it's usually, um, usually presides with people that control certain aspects of society, such as information, military strength, uh, transportation, fuel, finances, etc. Right? It's like a bunch of a bunch of those things. Whoever controls those things um, is usually usually the people or the countries or the places with with a lot of power in the world. However, the source of that control shifts throughout history. And therefore I think part of the reason that power is so hard to understand, going back to that quote, is that the actual concept of power, like the the source of that power, is constantly changing. For example, during the 1200s, Genghis Khan and the Mongol army were the most powerful force on the planet. And that was really due to their, their ability to ride horses. Uh, it was also due to the volume of horses that they had. They were expert uh, horse riders. And because of that, they had a massive military advantage. And that, that created a lot of power for them. But nowadays, being skilled on horseback is literally useless from a military perspective. We, we literally have Spectre gunships that can erase you from 7,000 feet in the air like they're the finger of God, as Marcus Luttrell said the other day on Joe Rogan's podcast. And so being a, an expert horse army is not super helpful anymore. But at a time, the source of power uh, really did rely on on or or it was with the armies that were the 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 more equipped on horseback and um you you can also look throughout history for a bunch of examples like this right um there's sir john uh hublin and the bank of england in 1694 uh they were founded as a private bank that would act as a banker for the government in england and in their own words uh they were quote primarily founded 
to fund the war effort against France. So imagine the global power that the Bank of England had simply due to the fact that they had the ability to fund the crown's war against the French. Like, think about how much power resided with them at that time due to the context of that war and that period in history where, you know, nowadays, I'm not saying that the Bank of England isn't powerful. I'm just saying at that time, they were probably the most powerful bank in the world. And nowadays that that power has shifted, right? So it's it's always a context, right? There's always there's always context necessary wherein you're looking for the source of power. Currently, for example, we don't view American railroad ownership as a as a major source of power by any means. But during the 1800s, you've got a guy like Cornelius Vanderbilt who used his ownership of the railroads to become one of the wealthiest people in history. And if you if you adjust for inflation, uh, his his worth, uh, his net worth, rather, he would have been worth one hundred and eighty five billion dollars in today's money. And while transportation is still a major source of power, like I was talking about, um, the control of it is is a major source of power. Um, air travel and trucking routes have really lessened the impact of railroads um, by comparison to the 1800s, right? Nowadays, there are other uh, means of transportation that you would probably rather control, and in the future, there will be different ones. And so, once again, we, we could keep going through uh, all these historical sources of power, like religion, or the printing press, or oil, or nuclear weapons, but I think you get the point. Um, throughout history, it's, it's hard to understand power, partially because it's hard to understand where that primary source of it lies at any given time. But I want to use today's episode to try to speak to something that I believe is very, very important when it comes to a current source of power in the world today. In fact, I think it's going to be um, a massive source of power moving forward into the future as well. And to do this, I think the best way to, to illustrate my point is to ask you to imagine a world in which you found a magical device. And this device allowed you, with just the press of a button, to gain complete access to any iPhone or Android on the planet at any time you want. All you would have to do is just think of a person uh, whose privacy you would like to circumvent, and this device would allow you to access uh, that person's passwords, their phone calls, their emails, their messages, their photos, videos, contacts, location, that's a big one, uh, browsing history, and data from all of their apps like Facebook and Skype, any app that they have on their phone, you could access that data as well. But that's not all this device would do. Imagine that this device would also give you the ability to access and activate that phone's microphone and the camera at any time you want without the user being aware that it's on. So essentially, it it would basically become a, a surveillance device where you could listen to and see whatever that that particular person is doing at that time, any conversation they're engaged in, uh, maybe where they are. Um, and uh, the the best part about it is that all of this spying done through that device would be secret. 
the person would have no idea that you were looking into all of these different aspects of their life through their phone. They, they would be completely unaware that this was going on. And it would, it would even go as far as to, for example, when the camera on that phone was turned on, it wouldn't give you the indication. Like I have an iPhone, right? And it has that little, uh, it'll show you like a little green light or like on my computer here, it'll show me like a little green light, right? There's the same thing on the phone. Um, that wouldn't be turned on, but yet you would be able to access the camera. So it would be completely anonymous. It'd be completely secret that you were able to spy on them in this way. And wouldn't, wouldn't that access the information and privacy, uh, a look behind the curtain, so to speak, wouldn't that be an incredible source of power in the world today? I mean, especially considering how reliant we are on our cell phones, um, and remember, there's no boundaries to the range of people that you could potentially target with this magical device. Uh, as long as the person has an iPhone or an Android, um, no amount of money or technological protections would prevent you from accessing that device completely unbeknownst to them. I mean, how quickly would your, your human nature corrupt any good intentions that you might have for using that technology if it was made available to you? After all, I do think um, most people agree with that idea that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And I, I think our so uh, like our our societal dependence on technology, in particular our cell phones, like I'm talking about, um, has become so incredibly alarming over the last couple of decades. Just how dependent we actually are on not only our phones, but the information that's stored on those phones, right? Let's think about a company, for example. Think about um, not only the, the data that would be stored on one employee of that company's phone, but now imagine you had access with this device. You could just point it at this person and that person and the guy that works in legal and the guy that's in charge of product development and maybe uh, this engineer that's working on a specific part of some uh, element of, of this company, right? Uh, now, imagine collectively all that information put together, how powerful that is, uh, especially given how much important information is probably stored on those people's cell phones. And I... I give you this thought experiment of the the magical device, right? That lets you see all these things um, because I think it points to a massive source of power that currently exists in the world today. And that is the ability to circumvent privacy for either blackmail or information purposes. If such a device existed today, I think the ramifications of that power, uh, the power that the person that controlled this this device, the, the power that they would have, I think those ramifications are terrifying, to be honest with you. Um, just, just like I said, in, in how dependent we are on technology to the point where now all of this vital information is stored on these devices. I just think that type of, uh, that type of power is terrifying, especially, I mean, imagine, imagine if that device fell into the wrong hands. Unfortunately, uh, in today's episode, I, I have bad news for you. Um, that magical device does, does in fact exist. Um, it's called Pegasus, and it's named after the, the mythical creature, the flying uh, horse. And it's the subject of our episode today. 
So it's here that I turn to reporting from the BBC and the New York Times, who describe how Pegasus was discovered in 2016. Quote, Arab human rights defender Ahmed Mansour received a text message promising secrets about torture happening in prisons in the United Arab Emirates, along with a link, which is a form of social engineering. Mansour sent the link to Citizen Lab. An investigation ensued with the collaboration of Lookout that revealed that if Mansour had followed the link, it would have jailbroken his phone on the spot and implanted the spyware into it. Citizen Lab linked the attack to a private Israeli spyware company known as NSO Group that sells Pegasus to governments for lawful interception, but uh, suspicions exist that it is applied for other purposes. And here's where things get even crazier. Quote, Regarding how widespread the issue was, Lookout explained in a blog post, We believe that this spyware has been in the wild for a significant amount of time based on some of the indicators within the code, and pointed out that the code shows significant signs of a kernel mapping table that has values all the way back to iOS 7. The New York Times and the Times... Uh, and uh, the Times of Israel have both reported that it appears the United Arab Emirates was using this spyware as early as 2013. So what that means is that Pegasus existed for three years before anybody even knew about it. They had no fucking clue until 2016, and they, they think that it was in existence three years before that. So think about that. Think about the fact that we were essentially flying blind for three years prior to discovering this. And of course, we could make an entire podcast episode on what the Mossad and the CIA knew about it as far back as 2013 and probably before that as they were developing it. But we'll, I want to go ahead and just save that for another time. Um, I don't want to go down too many conspiratorial rabbit holes on that one, though I do think they're important to, to consider. Um, the, the point, though, that I'm making today is that essentially no one knew that this level of spyware was uh, in existence or really even possible at the time. And one of the crazy things about Pegasus is the fact that the spyware can be placed on anyone's smartphone at any time simply by sending that person a link and having them click on it. And the link can be something real. Like, it can be something that actually is real, and it'll even work. So, like, for example, I have to catch a flight here in a little while, right? And I, for that flight, I have to check in on my phone. I get an email, then I check in um, to get my boarding pass, right? You can put the Pegasus spyware into that email. And so when the person clicks on that link, and it would still allow me to get my boarding pass and everything like that, as soon as I click on the link, it gives the, uh, the spyware access to my phone. Um, it, could, it could be something as simple as somebody sent, texting you a, a tweet, like a link to a tweet or something like that, or a video. Um, that's, that's all it takes. As soon as you click on that link, the spyware is now in your phone. Um, and and all, all the person has to do is click on that link, and then all of the sudden, all of their privacy from the, the, their own privacy to the privacy of any organizations or governments that they might work for 
is out the window. It's gone at that point. Once it's on your phone, it's over. They're in there. And uh, it's incredibly difficult to detect. And we're going to get to that in a second here. But um, yeah, just in that moment, it's gone. Your privacy is gone just like that at the click of a button. And when I say that Pegasus can be used to spy on anyone, I mean anyone. So the following is from a Business Insider article from January of 2020. Quote, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos had his phone hacked for months and gigabytes of his private data stolen, according to forensic analysis cited in a UN report published on Wednesday. The primary suspect of the hacking is Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who was exchanging WhatsApp messages with Bezos. The how of the hack, according to the report, is maybe the wildest detail. The 2019 forensic analysis of Bezos' iPhone assessed with medium to high confidence that his phone was infiltrated on May 1st, 2018, via an MP4 video file sent from a WhatsApp account utilized personally by Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. The analysis found that Bezos' phone was likely hacked using a notorious tool named Pegasus, created by the NSO Group, a secretive firm from Israel that bills itself as a leader in cyber warfare. Okay, guys, two, two things here. First of all, most importantly, what was the video file that he clicked on, right? So Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, sends a video on WhatsApp to Jeff Bezos. He clicks on it, and this is what they allege may have uh, put the Pegasus spyware on his phone. What, what was the video? Like, what is he, what, was he, what was he sending him that he clicked on? This is the richest man in the world at the time. And uh, the the leader of a a massive, uh, massively important country in terms of the the sort of global chessboard in a sense. Um, they they are a massive oil producer. It's a very wealthy country. So the head of that country is sending sending a video to the richest man on the planet. What what was the video? I just I have to know. Like what what was it? Was it was it like a cat video? Was it like was it a thirst trap? Like, was it an Instagram thirst trap? Was it, like, could it have been chocolate rain or salad fingers? Like, were they going back and reminiscing about old YouTube videos? What was it? What was? What is the video that he sent him that made the richest man in the world fucking click on it? And next thing you know, boom, over with. All his privacy gone out the window like that. What was the video? I have to know. At, at this point, I would probably let them hack my phone if they would just send me the video link that they had, he sent him. I have to know what it was. It's, it's incredible to me. So that's first, right? But secondly, and more seriously, uh, if, they, if they could get to Jeff Bezos, the world's richest man at the time of the hack, they can literally get to anyone. Th- really think about that. People like Jeff Bezos go to great lengths to prevent things like this from happening, right? For example, Jeff Bezos sends $1.6 million on his own security every year. So that's that's not only his physical safety, but it's also protecting him from cyber attacks like this. 
This is a guy that's so concerned with security. He had bulletproof windows installed in his office that can withstand rounds from military grade rifles. And so that's this is this is how serious this guy takes his security. Um, he he makes sure that things like this do not happen, and yet they did. So this brings us back to the question of power and how Pegasus plays in a, a role in it moving forward. In 2019. This was months after his phone was hacked using Pegasus. Intimate texts between Jeff Bezos and former TV anchor Lauren Sanchez were leaked to the National Enquirer. And as you probably know, this ultimately resulted in a $38 billion, with a B, billion dollar divorce settlement between Bezos and his wife. Now, while some reports claim that the National Enquirer got leaked those text messages from Sanchez's brother, Jeff Bezos' security chief, Gavin DeBecker, did an investigation which concluded with high confidence that Saudi Arabia was behind the leak. In fact, Jeff Bezos told him, quote, spend anything it takes to find out who did this. and. Uh, Gavin DeBecker found that Saudi Arabia, with high confidence, mind you, was behind that leak. Bezos owns the Washington Post, which has reported deeply on the death of their columnist, Jamal Khashoggi, the Post journalist who was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul in 2018. If that gives you chills, it should. It's that's it's very alarming. And look, I understand. Maybe I'm drawing conclusions that I shouldn't. And I get that. I understand that. I'm a I'm a regular person. I don't want anybody to take anything that I'm saying here as some extraordinary groundbreaking thing. I maybe I'm making connections I shouldn't, right? I'm gonna go through I'm gonna go to the airport here in a second. I'm gonna do the same, same uh stuff that all the rest of you guys do. I'm gonna get up to the security line, gotta take my shoes off, I'm gonna be shuffling, doing all that bullshit. You gotta practically get naked at this point, take off my belt, take off all my jewelry, empty out all my palm. I'm gonna do all the same stuff. I'm gonna be all disheveled up there, forgetting I'm gonna forget to take my laptop out probably, and I'll get yelled at by the TSA. I'm just a re- like I'm just I'm a I'm just a regular everyday person that you would meet anywhere. I'm not an investigative journalist. And and so maybe I'm making connections that I shouldn't, but I do think that the the connections here are are very eerie and very unsettling. Um, and that that of course brings us to an interesting connection uh, reported by the Washington Post itself. Quote: Two months after the murder and dismemberment of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi human rights activist in the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, Saudi dissident. Omar Abdulaziz, let me make sure, yes, Omar Abdulaziz, a Canadian resident, filed suit in Israel against NSO Group, accusing the firm of providing the Saudi government with the surveillance software to spy on him and his friends, including Khashoggi. According to the Washington Post and other prominent media sources, Pegasus not only enables the keystroke monitoring of all communications from a phone, texts, emails, web searches, but it also enables phone call and location tracking, while also permitting the uh, NSO group to hijack both the mobile phone's microphone and camera, thus turning it into a constant surveillance device. Now look, at the end of the day, 
You have to make your own decisions on what you believe in regards to that reporting on the Bezos situation and Saudi Arabia. And I'm not going to get into the very complicated uh, uh, relationship that the United States has with Saudi Arabia. I would love to do that in another episode. But right now, we're not going to touch on that. Um, it, it, it's I want to kind of stick to the topic at hand here. But once again, um, I think regardless of how you feel about those specific situations, at the end of the day, Pegasus still does exist. And while the NSO group CEO claims that the spyware is used solely to prevent terrorism, uh, it, it does seem interesting to me that the Israeli government is the person that gives the green light to any country that the NSO group sells this technology to. And as of right now, they only sell it to governments. And I think that's where we come back to the idea of power and that idea that power corrupts and, and certainly absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think this technology is as close to absolute power as you're going to get in the world in 2021 and probably moving forward. And so the question there is is really, while this technology is is certainly helpful, and I'm happy that it exists to help prevent terrorism and and tragedies in the world, and it and it should be able to be used to do that. That's an important thing. There are people in this world that want to do very bad things, and if we have a way to monitor them, that's incredible. But the problem with something like this is the same problem with any source of power that's existed through history. And it's the fact that it can be used for, it can be corrupting in a sense, right? It can be used for nefarious means. And I'll be honest, it, it would appear that that's what's going on here with the Pegasus spyware. And uh, I'll kind of leave you with this thought. There's There's been a lot of reporting done on this spyware. And yet at the same time, there, there really isn't a ton of information about it. It's a lot of the same reporting that always comes out. It's, it's a very sort of behind the scenes kind of a shadowy thing. There's just a, a not a ton of information about it. Like I said, there's a bunch of different um, like articles written about it, but they all say the same thing really at the end of the day. And it's it's very interesting. You know, it's hard to find out who is using this stuff. It's it's hard to find out any of the history of it. Um the NSO group itself was owned by like an American like firm, like bought them and then sold them back to the original owners in Israel. There's just a lot of questions um that I have about this this spyware to begin with and I just really think the fact that it it very well existed back as far as 2013 which in my opinion means it existed way before that and we found out about it in 2016 is wild. It's very fascinating and I think the the social conscious nowadays is is collectively aware of spying, right? You have Edward Snowden, you have people like that, and and we're aware um, Patriot the Patriot Act and what that allowed the government to be able to look at. But to actually see one of the mechanisms that is available to be able to spy on people, and then to see some uh, alleged uses of it in the real world, it's it's jarring. And I just think that that idea of that quote from the beginning of this, where power is a word, the meaning of which we do not understand, I think it's just incredibly applicable here. And I just think moving forward, everyone needs to to take a deep breath and look around and realize that 
the world is changing and that source of power is changing and a, a software like pegasus really really does uh, allow for an in, in interesting discussion on power in the world moving forward so Anyway, I hope this is a thought-provoking episode for you. I really do. Um, if you liked it, uh, I would really appreciate it. If you if you could share it, I, uh, I've i been able now over time to get a lot of different social media um, uh, accounts set up for the podcast. So I'm constantly putting out content, whether it's Instagram clips or TikTok. Um, we're on Twitter. YouTube is a big one. I really enjoy putting the, uh, the more long-form clips on YouTube and Instagram TV. But if you enjoy the podcast and you see any of that stuff, please share it. Um, it would really help me out. And as always, uh, if you if you get the opportunity, subscribe to the podcast, uh, both the the audio version and the YouTube uh, channel. And go ahead and uh, especially on YouTube, hit that notifications bell. Um, that way you'll get you'll you'll be aware of any time I post uh, some new some new content. So anyway, um, thanks for thanks for checking this episode out, guys. I think it's I think it's a wild one. And uh, like I said, I just hope it's thought provoking for everybody and. And everybody just kind of takes a look at, at this idea of power moving forward and where that power is going to lie in the future. Um, but anyway, guys, awesome, uh, awesome episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, adopt more dogs. I'm serious every time I say it. Adopt more dogs. Got my wolf shirt on today if you're watching the video of this. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's all I got today, guys. I hope, uh, I hope we'll see you next time. And uh, until then, keep learning new things.